0: This This is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. There are countless movies and books about life on the road. Every musician and comedian in history has their story about all the hijinks they got up to while on tour. In this week's story from teller Rick Walker, we explore an intimate moment in the heart of rural Kentucky that starts off better than you could imagine, but quickly turns into something harrowing as a symbol of violence makes Rick question his safety. Recorded live in Chicago, Second Story is proud to present Crosses.
1: This is the story of a one-nighter, if you know what I mean. A one-nighter is a single night of performances at any particular venue when one is touring a show. In 1991, I was 25 living the dream, touring with my comedy troupe. We had a one-nighter in Owensboro, Kentucky, a town not known for its diversity. Let's just say I went to the drugstore and could not find black hair care products. After our show, I had drinks with Mac, the club owner. Mac was a white guy, 35, 40, with frosted hair, dressed like a 80s rapper in a tracksuit and heavy gold jewelry. We were talking about hip-hop culture. I got the impression that talking to a real-life black person was rare for him. I was buzzed and bored when a girl reached over and touched my hand and said, I like your rings. My rings. I had a fake-ass three-finger gold ring on my right hand and a giant fake-ass gold nugget the size of a Super Bowl ring on my left, purchased in a truck stop on the way to Owensboro. She thought they were real. I thought they were hilarious. She was an incredible sight, in a tiny strapless club dress that had a black-and-white striped pattern like a Siberian tiger. Yes. This girl is wild. I could tell by the way she said, I like your rings. She had really bad taste, which meant I had a shot. Or I like your hair. I don't know why I said that. I could not have liked her hair less. It looked like it was assaulted by blenders and bleach. But when I complimented her hair, she touched it, looked down slightly, and smiled demurely and... What a smile. In spite of the considerable amount of makeup, she was truly pretty. Her style was trashy, but she emanated innocence. This salty-sweet combination drew me in like a moth to flame. Mac excused himself with a wink, and I joined my tigress at her table. We talked for a while over drinks. I really loved your show. Your mind is warped in a good way. "'Y'all are funny. "'I think it's amazing the way you get to travel all the time. "'I bet it's exciting. "'You probably get into all kinds of messes. "'I've never really been anywhere. "'Well, Evansville, Indiana, so nowhere.' "'She was sweet and surprisingly funny. "'I let her think that life on the road was glamorous, "'but I told her, "'Road life is lonely.' Oh, she sighed in sympathy. Maybe I am a ridiculous person, but in the soft red glow of the neon Budweiser sign, I thought she might be the most beautiful woman I had ever seen in my life. I'm only in town for a few more hours. Nothing would make me happier than to spend every moment with you. I know. Cheesy, right? Thing is, she seemed to feel the same way. That's sweet. Well, I'd like to get to know you better, but I came here with friends and I'd need a ride home. I was like, I'll give you a ride home. No problem. I drive all the time. I love to drive. I'm an excellent driver. Excellent. Where do you live? Oh, it's not far. Cool. Let me check with the boys. I quickly checked with the guys from the troop to make sure I could use the van. They said yes, but I had to be back by noon or else we'd be late for our next gig. We decided to go somewhere quieter. On our way out of the bar, I said bye to Mac. He looked my little tigress up and down and he said to me, If I was you, I'd take that home and fuck it. Rude. I looked at her and she smiled sheepishly, shifting her weight from right to left. Was this normal? Is this the way a Kentucky guy talks about a Kentucky woman? I don't know, but when in Rome, I simply gave a thumbs up and we left. Once we were in my hotel room, We talked and smoked and laughed and kissed. Then I discovered that she was one of those rare people that actually look better naked than they do in clothes. She was like a ballerina that stopped dancing in order to become a Victoria's Secret model. Now, this is not a swagger story. I'm not telling you this to brag. I'm just saying. Sweet, funny, pretty, and now this. The night went well. Fast forward next morning. It was brilliantly sunny, which pissed me off because I had forgotten my sunglasses, and driving through the lush hills of western Kentucky was annoying because of the windy road, and I was still drunk from the night before. I don't know how long we had driven, but it was already after 11 a.m., and I needed to get back to the hotel with the van before noon. This was taking too long. I looked over to the passenger seat. Couldn't help but to admire my new friend. Her smooth, slightly freckled skin glowed in the light of day. Everything about her seemed to defy gravity. Her slightly upturned nose, the way her strapless dress stayed up. Even the corners of her lips relaxed in a pleasant smile. She noticed me stealing glances. What? Nothing. "'How much farther is it to your house?' "'Oh, it's not much further,' she reassured with her cute little drawl. "'I wasn't reassured. "'Maybe it was the vodka, all the cigarettes, or the long drive, "'but my stomach felt like a tight fist. "'Of course, it could have been guilt. "'I'm not proud of it, but I could not remember this girl's name.' I knew it the night before. My head throbbed as I scrolled through female names in my head. Angela, Diane, Gina, wait, no, more country, Mary Lou, Bobby Joe, Becky Mae. No, 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 I'm just being stupid. I tried driving with one eye closed to get some relief from the sun, but you really need your depth perception on curvy country roads. And that's when I saw it. On the side of the road three crosses made from metal pipe, two white ones and a taller yellow one in the center. The tension climbed to my neck. My mother told me many years earlier that this particular combination is the marker of clan territory. Me, an old GMC van and a beautiful white girl. Where the hell is this chick taking me? Distress blooming. I had the fleeting thought of just putting her out of the van, but what kind of jerk drops a person off in the middle of nowhere? I caught my eyes in the rearview mirror and scolded myself for the situation. Forgetting names, running late, hungover, nearly no sleep in the middle of clan country. Is it much farther? Oh no, we're, we're close now. Clearly, the scale for close is much different in western Kentucky. We had been driving for well over an hour. I saw another of those cross combos a few minutes later, then another when the road changed from asphalt to gravel. There was no way I was going to make it back to the hotel anywhere close to noon. Back then, only doctors and dealers had mobile phones, so I would have to use the phone back at her place. She said she lived at home with her mom and her stepfather, and I had no desire to meet them. When the gravel road turned to dirt, Deep in clan country, my brain broke. I knew this woman was too hot. She's some kind of honey trap for the clan. I was resigned. Today is the day I die. I wondered how I'd handle it when the clan got me. Would I be tough and say something like, kiss my black ass, Pecka Wood? Or would I just pee my pants? I didn't know. What I did know was, one, I needed a phone, and two, I'm not the kind of guy who leaves a young woman stranded even if she does work for the Klan. She directed me up a long, dirt drive to a smallish two-story clapboard house in the middle of the lush, forested hills, an idyllic location. To lynch a brother! We went inside. The first floor was one big room that served as a simple living room, dining room, TV room. Mama, this is Rick. He's a friend of mine. He's just dropping me off, but he needs to use the phone. Mama, a 50-year-old woman in a house coat and curlers, she was from another era. The skin on her was dull, heavy, and sagged. Everything about the woman was excessively affected by gravity. Is this what my tigress was going to look like in a few years? You want a Coke? Please, please. She shuffled her slippered feet to the kitchen as the stepfather came down the stairs. He was rough. Kind of short and squat but strong, like like a man that wrestled wild bears for prize money. He had a sweat-stained baseball cap, jeans with suspenders, and no shirt. Another notable thing, a tattoo on his shoulder of a heart with a knife through it. And this is true, a flowing banner over it reading, Born to Kill. When the girl introduced us, he just looked at me from bottom to top, one piece at a time. He let out a little grunt. It did not feel like a grunt of welcome. I quickly called the hotel and let the guys know that I would be late. The mom had already given me my coke and sat in an upholstered rocker, moving back and forth, just staring at me, stone-faced. The girl had gone to change her clothes. I stood awkwardly in the mom's gaze with the coke in my hand. This, this, this coke is good. Fresh. The stepdad came back into the room and without a word starts loading a pistol. Mama explained, oh, he's going fishing. He might need that gun. Case of snakes he shoots snakes. He shoots snakes, I repeated. I could feel the sudden rush of pit sweat. Yeah, of course, snakes. Anybody would shoot a a snake. The ice in my drink clinking because my hand was shaking so bad. I wondered if the sound could be mistaken for that of a rattlesnake. Uh, I gotta go. "'Ain't you going to wait for Susan?' "'Yes! Susan! Yes! Yes! I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait for Susan!' A second later, Susan came back down wearing pink sweats and a Minnie Mouse T-shirt, looking so... sweet. She walked me out to the van and handed me a small piece of paper with her name and number, and we said our goodbyes, and I got the hell out of there. Now, that was a lifetime ago, and I'm Mama's age. I think about Susan from time to time, the emotional roller coaster I went on that day. I had such a crush on her, but then felt crushed by roadside crosses. I dated long distance back then, but when I saw those crosses, I was certain they told me everything I needed to know about her, her family, who they were, what they believed. Honestly, I never thought to challenge or investigate what my mom told me about those crosses. If I hadn't seen them, I would have thought, Mama was quite polite under the circumstances. And Saturday's a great day for fishing, and... Snakes should be shot on sight, I assume. I mean, I'm a city kid, I don't know. We always weigh feelings against facts. We try to interpret the signs but the symbols may not tell the real story whether they're gold rings or party dresses or crosses
0: This story was curated and directed by Amanda Delheimer with music and sound design by Shane Longbane. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamak, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. Second story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe and Potawatomi nations. I'm Max Spitz and this this, this is the second second story podcast. Second story.